Welcome to the Imagine Place podcast. I'm your host, Doug Shapiro, and I'm searching for voices that can help inspire a more creative and courageous youth. Today, you'll hear from industry celebrity Alexandra Sefos. I mean, I look at her that way. She's a coach to many dealers and manufacturers on how to blend design and sales. She really puts herself out there. She's an entrepreneur. She's a tech forward expert in CET. If you're unsure what that is, we'll go there in this episode. We also go deep on an industry role that is near and dear to her heart, the dealer designer. You'll love Alexandra. You know, I was thinking about our interview and I was like, I don't know anyone that takes as much joy in what they do than you. That's fair. Yeah. And I'm, I, I kind of feel like I want to talk about joy for a little bit. We can talk about joy. We can go why, there. Why do you, why, I mean, would you be joyful if you were, you know, uh, weaving socks all day? Or like, what would you like, or is it truly your work that brings you joy? Is it, is it inside you or is it outside you? I think it's both. But I mean, for me, what I've realized is that I am the extreme extrovert, right? Like I need people around me that are going to help, I guess. I, like, I just want to know people's stories. I want to understand what has brought people to here. And so that's why I think I've really thrived in design and business development roles is because it's really about people and people connecting. And that's the most powerful thing. And that's what really like lifts me up, I think, and gives me a lot of energy. But I've been in roles that I don't think are right for me. And so I've been able to find joy in specific little things like, okay, I learned something new today, or I met somebody new today. And those are great things. But as an overall, I can say, the parts that I that weren't filling my cup did reflect in me and the other aspects of my day. And that's why I've kind of made choices in my life to do the things that fill the cup entirely. And I so like I think working for myself has been really powerful because I can control what I'm saying yes to. And that's something that when you work for somebody else, you maybe don't have that ability to do. And that's why I think I do really find joy in everything. I, I had a conversation with someone this morning where I was like, I'm maybe I'm interviewing for some work right now and it's maybe not the right fit for me. I may have to say no. And yes, I'm turning down a paycheck. But if I'm not happy about what I'm doing, that's a problem. And one of the things yeah. I've had to adopt then too is, okay, so from that, when every time you say yes to something, you are inherently also saying no to something else in your life. Hmm. Whether that be time with your kids, other business assignments, other, you know, other things. It might just be something as simple as cooking dinner one night. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, there, you have to look at it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this idea of saying yes to something is also the same as saying no to something else. I mean, there is an opportunity cost to everything. I mean, this is that mindset is part of what drove you to entre be an entrepreneur, right? It is. And I don't know that I was really driven. That's that's what's weird is that a lot of people I think that meet me are like, this seems so natural for you. This is the right path. And for me, this was a journey. It was mm. definitely not at all the destination, not to sound really cliche, but that did just sound very cliche. <laughs> um <laughs> 
you know, I remember um, looking at my son when he was literally five minutes old and thinking my life has to change and then really taking a step back for months and looking at in what way does it change? Why does it change? What am I getting from this? You know, where do we find the joy in the moments? And if I made this decision as someone at, you know, at an advanced maternal age <laughs> to bring children into the world, I want to be a mom, but I also want to work. And I think that for me, it was really settling on what is the theme and where can I make the greatest impact and be happy in all of those decisions holistically. Okay. I I think, well, you've done that. My gosh. Um, so we'll talk about motherhood at some point, but let's talk about um, the design pop. So you're, you're a business owner, you're a techie, you're an educator, you're a bunch of different things, right? Um, Silent Tea Consulting was your first entrepreneurial move. And mm-hmm. that was really implying yourself as a consultant in what you are an expert at, which is leveraging technology for the design sale, coaching, yes. coaching people to use design, not just as um, a tool to respond, but as a tool to sell. And I love that. Um, you've helped us, but let's, let's talk about the design pop because that came next. What is the design pop? So the Design Pop is a subscription-based website that allows designers to go on and find searchable information. So they can search by, you know, by platform or by topic or by product if they're looking for manufacturer type information and that manufacturer is represented. And a, you know, a lot of our information is stuff that I've been able to create. That was what I did first is let's do what I can control first. So there is literally start to finish CET training for designers and most recently for sellers as well. So sales reps also now have a path to use CET on the design pop. Where this came from for me is a couple of things. Like this was my pandemic project in a lot of ways <laughs> because I was getting these phone calls from people saying, Hey, Alexandra, you know, can you record X, Y, and Z? And we'll use this for onboarding when our designers come back to the office from their two week hiatus. <laughs> and I was so busy. I couldn't keep up. And I also noticed that no one was watching those videos. And so and no one wants to watch an hour long video if they need two seconds of information because it's too, it takes too much time to fast forward. So by me subdividing the information in approximately five minute nuggets, it made a lot of sense. And then we add that searchability component to it and it worked. Where I get really passionate and I get really excited about what Design Pop is fulfilling is that for people who can't maybe afford me as a consultant or need a refresh on training. They don't need a full course. They don't need hours and dedicated time, but they just need something. They can go and find it for as little as 50 bucks a month and have access to what they need at their fingertips at any point in time. Because I remember being that designer that, you know, was working late <laughs> and could, didn't know. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm in the central time zone and this company's in the Eastern time zone and it's now six o'clock their time and it's not staffed for help or whatever it is. So I like that we can give access, but also affordability around training. And I think in this climate, in our industry, that's a really beneficial thing. I agree. And, and you're reaching manufacturers, you're reaching dealers and dealer designers. Um, let's, Let's actually take a step back and talk about CET for those who may not have an idea of what it is, or maybe just haven't simply experienced it. Yeah. What's the elevator pitch in general for CET? Because it is at the core of, of what you're consulting about. 
It is. Yeah. Um, so CET is a comp, it is a platform that is made by a company called Configura out of Sweden. And CET started off as a parametric graphical configuration tool is what they, what they would always say. And when I worked for the company, what we would say, um, but it allows for someone to click on a product they want, place it into a drawing and the drawings are not CAD based. So this is utilized as a dealer facing tool. And that's really how it started. You place an object in your drawing and from that object, you can pull it, stretch it um, and add information to it. And at the same time that information is building, your spec is building at the same time as the graphics are created for you to be able to produce a rendering that is pretty high quality for like the maybe minute it takes based on your hardware to actually create it. So um, it's a great system. And it really, I did not know when I went to work for the company, you know, more than what, 10, 12 years ago, that this was going to be the focus of my career. And really, you know, that source of joy in a lot of ways for me, and also opening that door into other technologies. I, I think they, you know, that, that door, right, that they stepped through, they just kicked down that door. Uh, when CET stepped through that door. So they added a tremendous amount of value. And I think it was a ton of great foresight on your part to kind of understand the potential behind it. Because when you were in it, it was pretty new. I mean, they were... It was bad, if I'm honest. And I mean, <laughs> all respect to the founders. I mean, they're personal friends. But I mean, I remember the extension I was using was brand new. CET was brand new. There wasn't even training on it. So those of us that started using it, it was a very homegrown effort. But that was where for me, this discussion of not let's use it full time, but how do you use it in a unique manner became very real for me. So you know, I wanted to know how can we use this for if it's live design or for communicating with our customers and creating renderings to spark further conversation instead of specification. So we had to start somewhere. Now it's utilized so differently now that so many manufacturers are on it and supporting it that the discussion becomes, again, it's still how do you use it for differentiation? And everyone has a different take on that. But I would argue we should be looking at all technology that way. You know, mm. the way that I would use even like a Miro board or, you know, any, anything out there is going to be in the way that I need to utilize it. And that maybe isn't the same as someone else would. And so providing perspective around these solutions is also a really powerful thing that we're trying to do with design pop. Now you mentioned live design. Yeah. Let's go into what, what do you mean by live design? So that's something that I, I, again, have inherently been doing it since like probably 2006, 2007 um, of just opening up my laptop and maybe I have something pre-drawn or not, but it could be as simple as placing an item in a drawing and in front of the customer, asking them simple questions about what colors they're interested in, what feel they want for their space. You know, does this furniture application feel like what it is that you're describing? Because a lot of times what I've understood is it's almost like therapy, right? What someone is feeling and saying might be two different things. Mm. So how do we outside of a napkin sketch make sure that we're able to put those ideas someplace as a communicator. And that is facilitated so well by designers. That is such a beautiful conversation, but arguably it's not just the designer that needs that information. It's the entire team at maybe the dealership that needs to understand what the goals are, what the feel is for the space and everything else, because there might be other influencers, you know, maybe there's A&D that's participating. And, you know, then there's maybe a, a comfortable tension of saying, hey, we heard this, but you heard this. 
how do we get the customer to understand what it is they really need? And we need to be pulling all those parties together to understand the appropriate solution. I love that. And yeah, you are, you, you know, the, the coaching that you offer goes beyond, I think, the technology, but also just kind of the behavior and the opportunity of people that are interacting with clients. You know, like how can you get the most out of that client experience? Um, and, and so you do so well at that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> there's a, welcome. There's a question I wrote down uh, because I thought, you know, I bet she's got a, a, a specific answer to this. Okay. What is it that you wish all designers knew? Oh, that's so hard. It can go in so many directions. I'm going to harness maybe my past experience in this because I've been in the shoes of a designer and I've also been in um, the shoes of a business developer. And I think that designers have an amazing amount of empathy for customers, but there isn't a huge amount of empathy for salespeople. It is viewed as a very fluff position. And I, of course, I'm a very um, de like designer empathetic individual, obviously, because that's why I work with primarily for my business. But still, they, they really think at times that being a salesperson is all about like going out for drinks. And I don't think there's an understanding of that human element that is needed, but also that both sides are critical. Design is the bottleneck, but we're everyone on all sides is really trying to understand each other to produce the best product or end result. And so I think there needs to be better empathy on both sides. Maybe that goes beyond designers. I mean, the flip side is true yeah. too, that salespeople need to be able to respect their designers a lot more and understand they can't do their job without that designer. But um, I, that was a really hard thing for me that I don't think I understood when I first stepped into that salesperson role of that I was going to be receiving a little bit of that energy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now you, um, you wrote an article maybe three years ago, the rise of the dealer designer. Yeah. I mean, technically Amanda Schneider wrote it, but I was heavily quoted. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Nice, Amanda. Good call. And way to reach out to such an expert. Uh, what, what is that rooted in? Oh, that was such, that was a scary article for me to participate in originally, if I'm honest, because wow. that was about a year after I started Silent Tea. And I was very concerned about upsetting designers or salespeople when I commented within the article, you know, I think it, I think there's a lot to that article. I was thinking in my head, okay, so I've been a dealer designer, but you know, am I appropriate to be able to comment on this humongous theme? And I have been able to see a lot, you know, starting in my um, early 20s, I've been able to see a lot of how different dealer designers work, um, what stresses them out, where there are communicational boundaries between themselves and the organizations they work for, or amongst coworkers, or whatever that may be, or even, you know, that sticky relationship between the, them and the technology that they're using. So, you know, there's, there's a lot there, but it was hard for me at first to comment on the article. So I literally brain dumped on Amanda. And I remember sending her way more information that she could ever need and just said, I'm comfortable with all of this. Um, I'm going to embrace everything I wrote, go ahead and use it in whatever way you want. And so she crafted that article. I think it came out in a, a great way, but I really think it was one of the first times that 
we were focusing on the role of the dealer designer. It's easy to just say, hey, we're, here's something about you know dealers, right? I mean, Midpoint Magazine, I think, has been doing that. I know there's been a lot of standard articles about dealers and other industry publications, but to hyper-focus on that role, and it's been kind of underappreciated. And this for me is a weird thing to even say, and Doug, maybe you've seen it, but I think back to 15 plus years ago when I started at my first dealership, I didn't necessarily know what a dealership was, but I also know that when I talked to the people that I went to college with or that were friends through my internship that maybe went to an A&D firm, working at a dealership wasn't glamorous and it was not perceived as what you did post-graduation necessarily at that point in time. It was kind of like, oh, you're doing that? Like You're just one of those technical people? And in my mind, I was like, yes, but within smaller organizations, they also enable you to you know, do different things and have exposure to the entire company and learn more about the entire sales process and the importance of a project coordinator, like all these other things that to me, it was humongous. But I don't think that was the majority perception. And I think that article really was the first time we were openly talking about that and not in a negative connotation, but in the fact that these are major contributors and specifiers and decision makers in their own right, you know, in it, throughout our industry. Absolutely. And I would say that the perception is still under construction, you know, Very it's still much so. not, yeah, it's, it's still, it's still not accurate, um, but it's better than where it was. It was. And I think that technology has helped bring some of that to the forefront because you're in the past, maybe you had a dealership that was outsourcing rendering and now they can in-house, you know, a lot of that work. And so it has allowed and enabled the designers to have a bigger vantage point. And I think that is really cool. But something that I hope someday we see is that they are viewed as a critical part of the project team and not just you know, okay, well, we're going to pass it off to this person and they're kind of the worker be in the background, you know, whether that be a salesperson or that be um, like an influencer, like commercial real estate or, you know, an A&D a firm with that perception. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree. And you've been such an advocate um, for that role in that space and a teacher. Uh, so uh, I love, I love how you've represented there. Thank you. It's, I feel like it's, really, for me, it's a heart project, right? Um, and I don't, I shouldn't even use the word project, but I, I want all designers to know that uh, they have a safe space with me. And that, you know, I, I, like I had a designer last year, and um, she called me and had said, Hey, you, you've been on a couple of calls that I've been on, or you facilitated calls I've been on. And um, I wanted to reach out to you because I feel like you understand me. And the question mm. that she asked me is, really very raw. It was, do all dealers function like my dealer? Because I'm trying to decide if I should stay or if I should leave and expectations are reality. And so I need to know what to expect. Wow. Now that's a lot of pressure to answer that question. It was a lot of pressure. And, and this is someone who, yes, like I had spoken to, but I had never gone deep with her before. And so it was a lot of pressure. And of course I gave her my feedback, but I don't think I'm the end all be all to a question that big. So I did set up 
three or four different meetings with her with designers at other organizations, not for interview purposes or for the purpose for her to leave, but just to hear from them what their experiences have been. Because that's one thing that really troubles me at times is that, um, and I felt this too, it was like, okay, how do you meet other dealer designers who you're not competing with that you can be vulnerable with and try and talk to them about things that are very real, whether it be job satisfaction or, you know, technology things that are driving you crazy or, you know, a boss that, you know, you're trying to understand just how to better communicate with it. it, These might be small things, but it really does impact job satisfaction. And I want to see designers stay in the industry. I mean, I look at my career and, you know, I dealt with the recession shortly after joining my first dealership. And I was lucky that uh, my job was stable at that point in time, but I saw a lot of people leave. And now, you know, with the pandemic, I think we've seen a lot of other people leave or try and create their own realities. And so for me, trying to harness that energy to keep people to stay, it means we do need to really level set and we need to have real conversations to make sure that we're harnessing those people in the way that they need for their lifestyles. And there might be other, if it's working parents, or maybe people are taking care of their parents or, you know, whatever, we all have a thing. And so trying to craft our work and our life so that that way we find joy in all of it means that we have to look for different ways. And if we can't have the conversations, it means we can't find solutions. Uh, I love where you've taken this. And actually, it's inspired me to explore something with you. Okay, Jack, now you're scaring me. (laughs) Yeah, well, I, I didn't set out to do this, but I'm thinking, okay, you kind of do have an all access pass to dealers, you immerse yourself inside the design core of dealers, manufacturers too, but let's just talk about dealers right now. So you've been able to see the inside workings, the culture, um, the people and the processes of dozens of dealers. Mm-hmm. So now I, I can understand why that woman asked that question, why, you know, is, is my dealer the only one that works like this? Let's ask about, let's talk about what that all access pass can teach us. I mean, what, you know, how would you describe the best dealers culturally, the ones that really seem to have it together? You don't have to name names or anything, but I'm kind of wondering, you know, like, Surely there's one or two that stick out in your mind and there's got to be a specific reason why, wow, yeah. they've got it down. Yeah. The, I mean, the ones that, how about if I frame it this way, the ones that get me really excited are the ones that are, you know, maybe not making the the big claims right now about like, hey, here's the way we want to work or here's the way the, what we want to do. But the ones that are thinking about, here's what we have to deal with and how do we, how do we work through that? So for example, I got a call from a principal, a dealer principal about a month ago. And this person wanted to know if I had the names of any design talent that could help them because they they were seeing an influx of business. And he had said, hey, we can go out and hire. And that's what we would like to do is you know, obviously hire locally, but we're having a hard time finding talent. And so I'm wondering if you know of anyone that could come on and help us on a contract basis. And it totally spoke my love language because something that I've been doing is I started tracking. So on Design Pop, I have a link that says, you know, I'm an independent designer and it's free for designers to go and add their information if they are a contract designer. 
And we sort it by manufacturer alignment, technology, knowledge, like what platforms they know, you know, what their specialties are, all of the above. And then for anyone who has access to Design Pop, they can see this, the back end of this registry and they can contact these people if they have a design need. And so I directed this principal in that way. And ironically, the person that he called, because he followed up with me afterwards, is someone who left her dealership because her dealership did not want any remote working at all. And she needed it for her lifestyle. And so she was really trying, she said, I don't want to leave the industry. I want to just harness my own superpowers. And so we were able to you know, position her. And apparently it's been a really successful situation for both her and for the dealer. And I love that idea of working in new ways. And it, again, like we're not claiming, you know, to say, Hey, we're, we're only working from home or we're only, you know, working from the right. office or, Hey, we're hybrid. Like no one's making claims of that. They're just saying, Hey, there are certain factors in which we need to understand and make sure that for the health of our business, we're positioning that appropriately. And so, you know, stories like that, that I get really excited about. Um, I, I think there's a lot of dealers out there right now that are desperate to evolve. And, you know, one caution point that I would say is take on one change at a time, because mm. I am seeing that between all of the things we've been through, you know, just with, the economy and that we're going to continue to go through here. There's already been a lot of change that's been thrust on designers and on dealers in general. And so taking on one thing at a time and hyper-focusing on those changes versus revamping everything all at once, I think is a, a good approach, even though major change needs to be made. Sometimes too much actually adds stress to employees and it just puts too much on their plate and it may lead to you know, dissatisfaction. So I get excited when I hear about people who are like, hey, here's the roadmap and here's where we're starting and here's where we hope to go, but we're going to take this a day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody is, uh, you know, a change junkie like you are. So I think that is yeah, right? <laughs> good advice. Uh, okay. Well, cool. Uh, there's a question. I ask nearly every guest, which is about advice, the best advice that you've received or the best advice that you love to give others. I don't know if there's anything that I always, I don't know that I have like a, a standard response to that, that I give everybody. And so this might be an in the moment type of response. I don't know if I'm, I guess I woke up this morning and I was reading, you know, reading the news. I wake up every morning and read the New York Times. And I don't know why I don't live in New York, but I just enjoy, <laughs> I enjoy their morning report and clicking on the links. I don't know. It's just part of my routine, I guess. Sure. And uh, I was reading it this morning and I'm like, man, I mean, some of the news right now, it's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fear. And I think that fear perpetuates fear. And so, hmm. How do we continue to push past that? And the only way that I see is finding mutual territory, having open dialogue and um, you know, really harnessing communication. But of course, with social media and as much access as we have to so much information in today's world, I think that remembering to communicate is very challenging sometimes. <laughs> and for uh, everybody, yes. right? <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. It's, it's an effort. It is. It is. And it just feels like there's, you know, these sides that are being publicly put out there to the world. And it might, you know, maybe it's politics, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's, I don't know, it could be a million different themes, but ultimately the more we communicate, I think the more that we actually find togetherness, but it does take effort and effort can be hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, well, thank you for the effort today. <laughs> <laughs> of course, this is the most 
fun thing that that I do. And, you know, frankly, something I, I didn't know I'd ever uh, be able to participate on podcasts, right? Like this wasn't a thing at the beginning of my career either. <laughs> well, I can say, you know, this is a very natural thing for you. You already do have your own streams, you know, whether it's through LinkedIn. And by the way, if you don't follow Alexandra on LinkedIn, I highly suggest it. It's a great blend of just kind of personal anecdotes and career advice and insights. So, yeah, uh, I want to toss that out there. But yeah, you're super comfortable on the microphone. Well, I do free monthly calls with Design Pop. And so anyone who wants to participate, the topics are are always different. And we do go personal, we do go techie with a lot of it. But I'm starting to realize that there is, there is this space of just being able to give others voices, Doug, and you know, this, you do this, you know, full time now. But there, we really do need to hear from people about what they're facing. And it can't just be only about work and technology, it has to be more. Well, we will drop a link in the show notes so that people can discover what you're doing and find their way into one of those conversations. Thank you. I would love that. It's always a more the merrier thing. And, you know, I, if, if anyone has questions, you reach out to me directly because I am, I will never shy away from a conversation, whether that be, you know, on a, a, a podcast, a, a webinar, or just a, a one-to-one. Well, thank you for, uh, for being with me today. And thank you for, you know, I think it's fair to say this, your your mentorship to our industry. Oh my gosh, I, I'm just honored to have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to join the conversation, go to speakpipe forward slash Doug Shapiro, where you can leave me a question or a comment for a future episode. And if you enjoyed the episode today, we'd love a rating or review. It's one of the best ways you can help others find this podcast. For more design stories, visit us at OFS.com slash imagine a place. From OFS, I'm Doug Shapiro. Thanks for listening.